Welcome to the Association Hub podcast, a bite-sized series of weekly inspiration designed to keep curious association professionals inspired. Our topics will cover everything from membership growth to online communities, technology and sponsorship and beyond that. Hello listeners and welcome back to the Association Hub podcast, your weekly inspiration on all things membership and associations with your hosts Angela Shelton and Alina Lima. Hello, everyone. And Angela, thank you so much for the suggested topic for today's episode, The Leadership. As many association professionals, I ended up in the sector by accident. And the thing I love the most about the sector is that every association gathers the best people of the industry around them. The leadership is at the very core of every association and everything they do. They're not only essential for bringing professionals together, they set standards, influence policies, and drive impactful change. So leadership plays the pivotal role in guiding associations on this path of influence and impact. So when we're talking about the leadership among association leaders, they're really the best of the best. They are very special people. So I'm very curious to hear what it takes to drive the change in an industry and what personal transformation these people need to go through in order to achieve this. And I know you have a very special guest today, Angela. Tell us a bit more about it. I'm really excited. Today, we have the opportunity to explore the incredible journey of our very special guest, Marianne Kinsel, and the impact she's made into her industry. Uh, Marianne is the Executive Officer at the Refrigerated Warehouse and Transport Association, and over her five short years, she has had some truly incredible accomplishments. Marianne's journey is also a testament to the power of effective leadership and the ability to drive growth and change within an organisation. We'll be discussing the challenges she faced, her response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and the innovative initiatives she has led along the way. And let's not forget about the importance of collaboration and networking within the association industry. It's always inspiring to hear how association leaders support one another and share insights to elevate the entire community. And I really hope that Marianne will talk about this. Oh, so very true. Marianne's story exemplifies the value of building connections and seeking guidance from peers and industry professionals. It's an opportunity for us to learn from her experience and apply those lessons to our own association journeys. So without further ado, let's welcome Marianne to our podcast. Hi, Marianne, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I very much love being here and chatting with you always. You know, I remember when we first met at the first ever Association Leaders Retreat in Alice Springs. We had just arrived at Simpsons Gap and we were collecting our green ant gins ready to kick off an exciting three days. It's hard to believe it was five years ago, but gosh, in that time, you've had such an incredible journey. And I really just want to share a bit more about your story about leadership and growth with our listeners today. But before we get too carried away, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and where you're working today? Sure. My name is Marianne Kensel. I'm working with the Refrigerated Warehouse and Transport Association. Let's just go with RWTA because it's a lot easier to get your mouth around. I've been there at the executive officer at the RWTA for now five years, which has flown and I have learned an enormous amount, I've got to say. 
That's amazing. Five years just goes so quickly. And do you know, when you first came into the RWTA, I was only just coming into the not-for-profit industry myself. So watching you and your journey has just been amazing. And I have to say, it's been fun working in this industry. So I know you came from a corporate background. Do you want to tell us a little bit about why you chose to come across the not-for-profit industry? For sure. Yeah. It's an interesting story because back in 2016, I had, with the former job that I had, I went to the RWTA 2016 conference. And so I had been working in that space at a different company, which I would now call an associate member style company. And I met all the people at the, the conference. And I remember being part of it and going, wow, this is this is such a useful Thing to have and I hadn't been introduced to associations in the past I had no idea what they did but I thought wow what a privileged position this is to be working at such a high level with all of these different companies within the Australian coal chain and there's so much that could be done I remember speaking to a few people at the time saying is there any way I can help with this because I've just I've got all these ideas and I've been sitting here and I've been getting so excited about you know, what, what could be done and how I could help. So fast forward, it would have been about 18 months, the chairman, the new chairman at the time had approached me and I was in labour hire at the time and I remember going in to meet with him. So he had approached me and said, you know, can you meet? And I said, of course. And when we sat down, he started to talk about the RWTA and that they were looking for somebody. And I thought it was, he was asking me to go and find him someone. So I said, oh, that's, you know, tell me about the job. And we got talking and I got all fired up again and said, oh, you know, that sounds amazing. And do you have a position description? And he said, I do. And he handed it across and I said, well, what you're saying here is not what you've written down here. This is not the same. And he said, I'll just go and rewrite it. And I said, why would I rewrite it? He said, I'm offering you a job. And I went, oh, okay, I'm a bit slow. <laughs> Don't mind me. Um, but I got terribly excited about that because I'm a generalist by nature. And so I love having my fingers in many pots. And I've had those personality quizzes before. And one of them came back and said, you are a generalist. So they have a title. And I thought, that is, you're, you're absolutely right. I like to be in, involved in so many things at the same time. And so I thought, wow, what a perfect, what a perfect match. I love it when the universe aligns. And to be honest, I'm a big believer that things happen exactly when they're meant to happen. So I love hearing those stories. The fact that you're still there five years later, and I know that you have done a lot of that rewriting of bits and pieces here and there. So that speaks a lot to your generalist nature. I'm curious, though, what challenges did you face when you initially started at the RWTA? Because I can imagine there was a few. There were a few. I had no idea what I was doing. So there was the person who was working there at the time who was the administration person. And she had been running it for about a year. And she was very great lady, enjoyed enormously working with her, very knowledgeable about the database. And she'd been there for a couple of years already. So I learned a lot from her, the board at the time. So that was terrific as well. But they also gave me a lot of leeway to do my own thing because when you come from outside and that's what they wanted is somebody who hadn't been in association. So to treat it more as a business, 
because we really needed to get that bottom line moving. We had to get into the black and and move it into a space where we were going to be viable. So this year we've been around for 81 years and that's pretty exciting too. So with a lot of guidance, but also with ideas from outside hadn't been done before, we've been doing really quite well. So the challenges, I guess, were mainly I had no idea what I was doing. And that immediately puts you into your discomfort zone. And I would have been there for, in reality, probably two years, just feeling really uncomfortable about everything I was doing because it was so new. And I'm not a person who believes that anyone fails. So (laughs) if there were hiccups or if things weren't going right, I'd go, okay, well, I have to change it. Just fix it. Just fix it, change it, move around it and make it work. And we did. And so we started to develop the database in a way where it was becoming quite engaging for all of the members. So calling them often, going out to visit them. And quite often they would say, we have never been visited by the association ever. I think that's a lot. That speaks a lot to your leadership, though, because that is exactly what you do. You bring that personal touch. I mean, you say you were sort of living two years in a grey area, but from an outside perspective, I saw you reaching out and connecting and networking at every opportunity. And I don't think we realise we're doing that at the time. But that is the best thing that I love about this industry is that there is always someone to reach out to. But congratulations, 81 years. That is phenomenal. It is. So, you know, the association's been up and running for a long time. But again, to be able to be given the freedom to move it into a direction that we wanted to. And I've got to say, these are my people. These are, they're intelligent. They work very, very hard. They are flexible. They're agile. They're extraordinary to work with. So I've gained a lot from them because when I first started, there was a lot of hesitancy and because they'd been without an executive officer for about a year. And so I got sworn out once or twice, I might say, (laughs) as in, what would you know about the culture? And I said, what do you know about an association? You know about it. So I'm coming to you but you have to tell me because things are changing so fast that if you don't tell me what's going on, I won't know. So I'm beholden to you. I I need you. But at the same time, I can do a lot for you as well. And I think pennies started to drop and they started to rely on me. So it's a very interactive membership now where we're on the phone all the time. And God bless them. They always take my phone calls. And that's, again, it's a privilege. I use the word privilege a lot because I do, I feel really lucky to be part of this group of people. Oh, I love hearing that. And I think you would have really faced a lot of challenges over the last few years with the COVID pandemic and the relationship you now have with your members. How did that serve you during that period? It did the RWTA in the most peculiar way a favour. I had started to get myself very organized by 2019 so the year before I would organize the calendar and the events and the training and the conference and all of the things that we had as well as companies that were useful for the membership I'd I'd get a calendar made up so all of that had been done so come 
March 2020. And I realised, so the day that I realised, oh, my God, there's nothing we're going to be able to do for months because we've always done a lot of networking events. We've always done a lot of, you know, trying to bring people together. I will admit I chucked the biggest sookie la-la in the entire world. I went down because I work from home. I went out into the backyard and I chucked a sookie. I was swearing and I was kicking and I was really angry because I thought, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do any of this that I've, I've so much time into. And my husband, I remember his, his head out of the back and said, are you all right? And I said, no, I am not all right with a lot of other very colourful language. For anyone who knows me, I, I tend to be quite colourful. So I, I probably spent 15 minutes just really venting to myself. And then I came back in. And the most interesting thing had happened where I sat down, I'd worn myself out and I looked at the wall and I'm not a person that is prone to being down for very long. And I I said to myself internally, okay, you've just told yourself, you know, bravo you, you big sook. You've just told yourself everything that you can't do. Now what can you do? And immediately straight into my mind it was, the membership needs you worse than ever, more than you they've ever needed you before. What are you going to do? And to this day, Angela, I, ca- I cannot tell you how long I was looking at this wall for, and these ideas just kept on coming and coming and coming. Mm. You know, it's, it's call the membership, get onto them, say that you're here to support them, get into government, local, state, federal, use every networking contact that you have make sure that your people are looked after when they have problems make sure that there's something that's opened up so that they've got a portal that they can go to it just went on and on and on and these these ideas just didn't stop and by the end of it I went oh I'm so excited (laughs) I've got I can do so many things and we we did and we were calling government we were in some pretty high level meetings which was great we got on to and has had some great connections that put us into communication with commissioners and and ministers and what have you so that we had frontline access to these good people so yeah it was a pretty uh, confronting time and I think that the membership really appreciated us being around we were a portal for information and we fed it through and we were they knew I had their back That's incredible. I had another association leader mention a similar sort of aha moment, but to put it to basic, she said, the best part about the pandemic is that as an association, we're getting back to basics and we're doing exactly what we were built for to serve the members and advocate for them. So I love hearing that, but you know, those aha moments sometimes come at the wildest, hardest times of our lives. But I know that you've put a lot of that to good use. So what's next for the RWTA and yourself? So I love it. I I absolutely love it. And I've got lots and lots of things that, that we have planned. So within the first six weeks, one of the the members had an idea for ammonia emergency management training because if you hold a certain amount of ammonia on site because it's cold chain you need to be able to use these chem suits and nobody knows how to use the chem suits. So we now have the only nationally accredited ammonia training in Australia bar none. 
so that we can deliver that anywhere in Australia, um, in any state and on any site that is required, which is pretty exciting. We, one of the things that I'm quite passionate about is bringing that which is international back to the membership. So recently I've just got back from Barcelona. So there was a global cold chain alliance conference that I attended. So that was pretty exciting. There's another one in Scottsdale, Arizona. And that's later this year. And I'll be speaking at the New Zealand Cold Chain Associations Conference. So I wouldn't say I'm on the, the speaking going around the world doing that, but it's I find that really exciting. And it's, again, a privilege. We always hold an annual conference. And so that one will be at the QT Gold Coast this year. And we have Sunday, which is always a fun day. So we you know, get out and enjoy the, the area and make sure that everyone's networking and has got to know each other. Monday, Tuesday is panels, tech talks, great speakers, and we've got Global Cold Chain's CEO coming from the US to present, the CEO from the Cold Chain Federation in the UK, he's coming to present, people from Germany, Dubai, Africa, Asia, all over Australia, New Zealand are coming. And of course, we've got advocacy. So earlier this year, we had an event. I found it really nerve-wracking but we had over 20 ministers, senators, government officials turn up in Canberra to meet with a cold chain. And one of the advisors came up to me and said, good event. And I said, oh, look, you know, thanks very much for coming along. We appreciate you being here. And he said, I've been at these events where one minister's turned up. You've got over 20. That's what I'm talking about. And I said, thanks. You know, I'm pleased that our space the Australian cold chain, we are the confidence in food quality every day. And we store and we transport food all over Australia. So people know who the people are who produce the food. Everyone knows Woolies and Coles and Aldi and Butchers, and, but they don't know how it gets there, and that's us. And when ministers are interested in what we do, what we are doing, and how we benefit Australia, we keep Australia fed. And that's pretty, pretty exciting stuff. That is. It's such an incredible journey. And what I love the most about that is you touched on the point about that education. The more that we help get those key people involved and we educate people, they understand the whole holistic process of what associations do and how they touch our individual and our business lives. I think you're doing an amazing job and I just can't wait to keep watching this space. But if I were to ask you of your journey over the last five years, and it has been a tumultuous but exciting one, what would be your one piece of advice that you would give to someone who was coming new into this industry to take up a leadership position? One of the most useful things, and I'm not saying this to, to blow smoke, but to meet people like yourself, you know, at OzA, Answers, MS, all of these great people, have been so good to me, when you've got a question, you need to make really good connections with other associations because, quite frankly, we're all doing the same sorts of things and we should be relying on each other for all sorts of things. We're all going through the same sort of stuff. So if you've got a question, if you don't know what you're doing, and my God, I put my hand up so many times, it was ridiculous. But there was always somebody there that would say, I can help. I know what to do here. 
go and talk to this person or you've got a few options here. How does this sound? So you've got someone to throw those ideas around with because quite frankly, you don't have that option with staff all the time. Yeah. And sometimes the board can't help you because they're running their own businesses and they don't know how an association necessarily runs internally. And you can't give strategy if you don't know what you don't have to work with sometimes. So while you're building, the advice would be find your people within the association world, go to the functions, go to the mills, learn what's going on in other states, learn the superpowers of these individuals and and ask them because they are just the best people ever. That is such good advice. Marianne, thank you so much for coming on today. And I know that we have got so much more to share on our journey together. Um, But for now, thank you so much. It is a true pleasure. And thank you so much for, for reaching out. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe. And if you'd like to join the conversation, reach out to us at associationhubpodcast.com. You can also find out more at answers.net.au and memberboat.com.au. Until next time, stay curious.